Day two of San Diego Comic-Con for my entertainment world. What did everybody get up to today? Kelly, what happened? Um, okay, so I got off to a slower start because I was really tired after the insanity of yesterday. Uh, so I started, I didn't go to the composer's panel, which was, uh, I was supposed to go to, uh, before the press room today. It was the same sort of thing as yesterday, uh, the CW3 behind the music, um, thing that they do every year. Yesterday was, um, crime stuff, and today was sci-fi. Uh, it was still a really fun press room, even though I didn't go to the panel and had never seen any of the shows that were, uh, the composers were for, but they were still really interesting guys. Um, I especially liked the guy who does the Sharknado movies. Uh, he was, this was his first ever press room. And, yeah, he was like, he was really cute. Like he was just sort of, he kept asking if he was doing an okay job. And he, oh. he, he, he was like a really classical guy, he kept referencing his love of Beethoven and really sort of grand orchestras, but he works on Sharknado. Was that the German one? No, no, the German okay. guy... I don't remember what the German guy worked on. I want to say it was, like, Helix or something. They were all these, like, really sort of niche sci-fi shows. Dominion and Helix and uh, Haven and stuff like that. One-word titles. Yeah. Well, okay, so, but networks do that now um, because it's easily hashtagable. But it's so confusing because they all sound the same. Right, and they have no, and you have no idea what the show's about. Exactly. But it is. It's a Twitter thing. So it's like, like, you know how NBC has a lot, of, there's always like a mid-season show that's like, hashtag allegiance, and hashtag, like, <laughs> Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this could be easily hijacked, too, though, depending on what word you choose. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, that's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> how, did, how did you start your day, Sarah? Um, I started my day with failure. <laughs> um, I was supposed to meet a couple of people. We were going to go to the Adventure Time and Steven Universe panel, which didn't start till 11. Um, and so I had, I think I got there around 9.30, and there was a huge line for, I don't even remember what the panel before that was, but everyone got there early to go to the Adventure Time panel, because when that other panel ended, nobody left. So I was in line for a while, and I didn't get into that panel, um, so I got Starbucks instead. Which they made it. What did they they like drew like um, like Star Wars themes, like "Welcome to Starbucks," and they like they totally went. They were like playing the third original, the um, last Return of the Jedi. They're playing it in the coffee, so they're just like running with the theme. Um, so I got coffee, and then we went to Ballroom Twenty, which we thought was hard to get into, but we actually got in. We were like less than five minutes in line. So I guess we got really lucky. Um, we caught a panel of the 100, which haven't watched all of it. I've seen some of it, and it's really good. So it's really popular. No, like, like, people who like the 100 why... love the 100. No, it's a really good show. Like I just need to finish watching it. And the things that they were talking about made me more interested in watching it. Um, what did I do after that? Then was the Minority Report, and we got a, I think that's the first con they've ever been to. They showed us the first 20 minutes, um, which was good. There's only one scene that annoyed me, because I think they were trying too hard to be cool. <laughs> but, 
well, because they're talking like, oh, that one in the panel afterwards, like, oh, that one scene with the tech. And I was like, yes, I know which scene because, but um, yeah, the technology in the show is really cool because it's supposed to be slightly in the future, and they re, they actually consulted MIT scientists, they're like, what's the world gonna be like in fifty years? And they built the world around this technology. So it's really. Wait, cool. I bet my friend Abe was in that. He's a PhD student at MIT. There's a showing off. Maybe yeah. I know. Should right? ask him. There's bragging. <laughs> Yes. He invented a visual microphone, guys. It's so cool. What is that? Like a camera? No, a visual... So, okay, so it's like the radio... It's something about the frequency of the sound, the, the minute movements of objects in the room with the sound can be recorded, and then that those movements can be translated into sound. So behind bulletproof glass, they were able to capture sound, or at, uh, from behind soundproof glass, they were able to capture sound for, of someone playing Mary Has a Little Lamb inside the room on the other side of the glass. So speaking of being really nerdy, <laughs> my day started with something that I'm like, like a, a total intersection of my geeky interests, because I went to this panel, uh, which was ostensibly about the covers of comic books, but it was given by Chip Kid, who's mostly known as a graphic designer, and I've listened to him on like a bunch of design podcasts, and Michael Cho, who was sort of showing his process through um, the cover designs he had for his original graphic novel, Shoplifter, which came out last fall. Um, and so it was really neat to see both of them talking about their process. Uh, Chip Kid has given like TED Talks mm -hmm. about designing book covers. Uh, really great TED Talks. Uh, yes. And so, yeah, and the two of them, it was interesting having a graphic designer and a, and a cartoon artist, um, and whereas one completely creates everything that ends up on his covers, the other one is, you know, synthesizing a lot of different elements. Um, and so, yeah, it was funny because th both of the panelists thought they were in an hour-long panel, <laughs> and then at a certain point the moderator was like, uh, actually, no, at the question period they thought they had 15 more minutes, but they had 45 more minutes. Oh. <laughs> so they were just stuck, like, answering questions from anybody. Yeah. So it was one of those situations where I was like, well, I guess I can ask my question. Like, my question would have... You asked a question to panel? Yeah, my question would have been super mediocre... In, in like a 15 minute question period, but because it was 45 minute, it was like, oh, this is an intellectual question. What was your question? My question was about, because both of them um, sort of went through points in their processes uh, dealing with uh, sort of a minimal choice for their, their cover design. I was just curious about when you're working on a minimalist idea, when do you know you're done? Because, oh. like, what is enough in that situation? Uh, and so they had, they both had interesting answers on that. But it was interesting, too, because a lot of the people, I felt like it, there was a surprise award for Chip Kidd um, in that panel that the, the, the actual moderator, as opposed to the room moderator, gave him. Uh, so that was, that was a neat little moment. But they both they both had sort of different approaches to to answering that question, so that was kind of neat. What was the award? Was it like a Comic Con award, or was it like an? It was like an industry? achievement in comics thing. Yeah, like I, I didn't, I had, I had not heard of the award previously. Okay, that doesn't make it any less valid. 
You would know, no, no. Yeah. I feel like they sprung it on Chip, and he had apparently awarded somebody else with this same award at a previous San Diego Comic Con. Uh, and yeah, I don't even like nobody in the audience, nobody in the panel knew that he would be getting an award. Like it wasn't necessarily that kind of panel. It was just kind of like, oh, and by the way, here's this award. It was kind of random. Huh. But no, it was definitely neat. Wait, so. Sai, what did you think of the Minority Report? Did you see the whole pilot? Only the first 20 minutes. Um, but I liked it a lot. Actually, it was funny. They were telling us, they're like, watch it and then watch it again because we put Easter eggs in. One of them was, they're like, oh, you will notice, because it's set in D.C. in the future, they're like, you'll notice Bartlett Plaza after the West Wing, after President Bartlett of the oh, West Wing. And that's I made awesome. A, I made a note. I was like, oh, Kelly would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Oh, okay. So speaking of the West Wing, we have to take a moment because Roger Reese died today, and I feel like we need to take a moment to appreciate this. He played Lord John Marbury on The West Wing, and he was incredibly memorable. He was also a Shakespeare actor, worked a lot with the RSC. And so, all the West Wing fans, Lord John Marbury has left us, so you should take a moment, because he was fabulous. And... <laughs> so my next thing that I did... Um, was I went to a press room for two shows that I've seen maybe an episode each. Um, one was Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which is a huge phenomenon in the Adult Swim, sort of just a cartoons that adults watch community. Um, it's the sort of show, so, uh, one of the actors who is in the panel, he plays, uh, he, he's in another show that was also at the same panel. Uh, or the same press room. Uh, so Matt Servito, who was on um, The Sopranos, he pointed out to us that on The Sopranos and in apparently other shows, Aqua Teen was the show characters would watch when they were like trying to symbolize to the audience that the character was about to go sort of like through a rebellious phase. Like apparently AJ on The Sopranos, when he was like growing up and about to rebel against his parents, that was illustrated by him sitting Aww. on the couch and watching Aqua Teen. Like, apparently that's what this show is, sort of reputation-wise. Corrupter of you. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, like, cool to meet Dave Willis, who's the, the creator of that, and one of his major stars, Dana Snyder, uh, who does a lot of cartoon voices. Uh, and then there was also, um, at the same press room, another show created by Dave Willis uh, called Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, uh, which is a rare live-action show on uh, Adult Swim. And on Adult Swim, all the episodes are only, like, 11 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an interesting format. And this is essentially a show uh, about their conception of hell. And it's based on, apparently, this idea. They made a... Uh, the creator made a short film about heaven and how how even the most wonderful heaven where there's pizza on the trees and whatever would eventually get really boring and that would be in a way a sort of hell and so he was thinking about um the idea of hell and like a man being stabbed for eternity would be in hell but as would the guy the demon who's forced to stab him for eternity so that's sort of like the, the idea of your face is, your pretty face is going to hell, which is like really, really childish and silly and very boyish, but it's fun. Uh, and it's, uh, it's about this like lower level demon who has like a new intern and he's supposed to teach him about hell and hell is essentially like an office 
in this, and Satan's sort of like a middle manager. Huh. Uh, so Matt Servito plays Satan in this, and uh, the standout from the panel was Henry Zabrowski, Zabrowski, I think is how you say that, who is the lead on the show. He plays Gary, and he's just really fun. Uh, so I, well, I didn't, I don't watch either show. It was like a particularly fun press room. Uh, which was great. It was pretty small. We got to really talk to the guys, and they were really entertaining people. So that was sort of the middle of my day. You're talking about hell, and, and this reminds me of like the moment when I was first heading to the exhibition hall. Oh God, of course, yes. <laughs> there was this. There was this group. <laughs> no, that the was, exhibition hall that is the hell, point. everyone. That wasn't the point. <laughs> the there are people at the entrances. Um, about whom I have mixed feelings that are holding up these um, signs and banners w- oh, with yeah. a very with a very pro Christian message, and I think that that's just sort of the nature of okay, there's a lot of people here, and so we're going to evangelize, and you know what, that is their right to do that, but for some reason this morning, the people promoting Damien. Oh no! Got together a whole bunch of people in Damien shirts with Damien banners (laughs) and were like chanting about like their fealty to the Dark Lord. Oh, that's awesome. And it was, it was this weird kind of like, are you making fun of the fact that this happens? I, yeah, I, it just gave me a, just a weird feeling of, Okay, I understand that it's your right to do this, but it's like you're you're totally just promoting a TV show <laughs> versus these people that have like serious like spiritual commitments to standing here. And they aren't like, you know, pounding anything yeah, oppressive in your face. Yeah, they're being respectful about they're, it. They're being yeah. fairly like, okay, there's really? a lot of handing out get out of hell free cards and they were leaving them around the convention set. Like yeah, no, I know. This is why my my feelings are kind of mixed, but it's like just kind of like this is like real spirituality versus like Were the Damien people Damien fans who thought it would be fun or was it like the PR team from was it is it, it was it had to have been the PR cuz I mean there are no fans of Damien yet. It hasn't come out. So who would be a fan yeah. of Yeah. It was totally yeah. actors. It was like the and, marketing yeah. team. Yeah, that's a little iffy. It's yeah. funny. It but was, it's a little iffy. It was it was it was funny. And it was they were totally drowning out these I mean my attitude like I everyone's entitled to their religion, but For sure. they're coming specifically to a con and it's like it's not a big part of the con, but like, you know, you walk past these people and it kind of alter you have like a moment of unpleasantness. So I feel like if you're gonna put your views out there, then if somebody reacts in a way, then I don't know how rightly you can criticize that. Right. No, yeah, I, I guess I, it was I just like know. the, the it, I guess the It was an interesting contrast in that moment. Yeah, well, and it's about sort of like the limits of marketing and where they should end. It's sort of a fascinating thing. I think the different, like, if they went to a church and did that, I'd say that was inappropriate. But right. the fact that these people came to a convention to tell right. everybody here that they're wrong and somebody reacted to that... I don't have a problem with this. Especially because the con sort of is a marketing platform. Yeah. So if the marketers had gone to a religious platform, that's a different issue. But, like, 
the marketers and the certainly in my experience for doing all the press rooms, the PR people, the publicists, this is their turf more than like anybody else, even the Trekkies. The con is the PR person. Wait, wait, wait. Turf. Don't, don't, bring the, don't bring the Trekkies into this. Oh, never bring the Trekkies into anything. They might have. They might take issue. Well, and today was the day of the big Star Wars panel, which none of us went to because we're not. Um, crazy enough to stand in line for that long. You just you just segued from Trekkies to Star Wars. That in itself. <laughs> ah, is, uh... offensive. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Let's I'm be clear. not like. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know my stars from my stars. Um, but uh, just talking about like the major fandoms and the sort of way they get excited about things. I the Star see. Wars panel, from what I hear, was insane. What else did you do today? I, I spent I spent more time just talking to more Deadpool cosplayers in the in the efforts of doing that. Oh, and I had a an awesome interview uh, with the the two writers on uh, a new a new comic. Oh golly, it's called I believe it's called the the Paybacks, uh, which is essentially uh, when a superhero has some initiative that they want to take with fighting crime, they might take out a loan uh, to get some new tech, whether it might be fancy batarangs uh, or whatnot. And there is this group when the superhero in question is unable to pay back this loan that are essentially operating as repo men <laughs> in the superhero community. And this new comic book is coming out this fall from Dark Horse, and I got to talk to the creators about it. Uh, and so it exists in a world that these two creators uh, created previously, uh, but this sort of further extrapolates on it. And it's really interesting because it lives in a place of, like, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, because there are these repo men, but they're just you know, part of a bureaucracy that collects on loans. And, you know, these comic book creators are coming from a place of, you know, they had, like, a bunch of student loans and stuff after going to right, art school. Yeah. And so it's like, yes, these people are doing their job, but at the same time, you know, these superheroes are trying to fight crime, but then they're also dealing with, you know, consequences <laughs> of borrowing money. So... Yeah, so it was a really sort of interesting chat about a comic book that I'll be writing more about in the future. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. And Sai, you went to a comic book-related thing next, right? Yeah, well, I had this dilemma because there were two panels I wanted to go to that were, like, happening, happening simultaneously. There was the Vikings panel, which... I'm a fan of, and if people have read my reviews, they know I'm a fan of Vikings, <laughs> um, and have been. So I couldn't go to that panel, but there was also the Marvel TV panel in Hall H. I'm like, I'm sitting in a Hall H, and I was like, I like Vikings is like it's getting more and more popular every year. So it's like, oh, so I had this dilemma of I can get up and risk not getting into that hall, or I can stay here for Marvel TV, which I watch Marvel TV, so I stayed there. And first they had Agent Carter, which I love, and I think it was underrated. Um, so Haley Atwell was there, and she's fabulous, and, um, James D'Arcy, or Darcy, I don't know if it's D'Arcy or Darcy. I think it's pronounced Darcy. Darcy, I don't, but I've heard it different ways, and... Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, they were there with a bunch of the, a couple of the writers, and they talked about season two, which is happening in Los Angeles. Nice. Which, well, I had mixed feelings about, because I feel like New York was such a part of the show, but... 
they were talking about how this is in 1947. They're like, you know, in 1947 is when the Black Dahlia murder happened. So they were interested in bringing, like, sort of the noir vibe yeah. to it. I'm like, all right, well, I do like the noir vibe. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that should be exciting. Um, and then they had the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. Ooh. Which... Yeah, I, I don't like it as much as Agent Carter. Um, and <laughs> I also, feel like that's a little bit of an understatement, it is. Saya. <laughs> I, yeah. That was maybe a little... <laughs> Bearing the lead there. Does, yeah. does anybody love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., oh my gosh. really? No, like, because I went with two people, and they were both like, oh, we really, like, they told me they really wanted to watch it, and I was like, okay, I mean, go to this panel, because they loved it, and... Um, yeah, they were really enthusiastic, which for me, I've always had issues with it. Like, I think season two is an improvement on season one. Granted, I have to finish season two, but I, I think they definitely fixed some of the issues season one had, but I don't think it's as strong as Agent Carter, personally. Um, but what made me uncomfortable was the Ward fans, because I think Ward is a terrible person, <laughs> and, like, they were, like, cheering, like, yeah, we'd be on Ward's team, and, like, somebody did, like, the, the Hydra salute. I'm like, you realize that's, like, a Nazi, like, it's an adaptation of a Nazi salute. So I just, I find it kind of icky and gray when people are like, oh, we love Ward. I'm like, he's a terrible person. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, the, they didn't really tell us that much about season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, it was, the cast is very charming of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, they're all very funny and gave good answers, but they were keeping their cards close to their chest, so. When is uh, the new Captain America coming out? Because I feel like Next Agent... May. May 2016. Okay, so they've got an entire season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to go before that, because I know that they, that was a big thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was that Winter Soldier drastically altered that universe, and so they had to sort of tread water until the events of Winter Soldier happen because the MCU is so much more important to the studio than the television universe. So I know that the show was sort of treading water and then changed completely after the events of Winter Soldier. Yeah, I don't know how much Civil War is going to affect this. Um, Civil War is a whole other thing like that I'm also a little wary about because there's just so much happening. Um, so I don't really know how this show, because the show's also going in the direction of the Inhumans is going to be a movie, and the Inhumans is now a part of the show. So I have no idea how they're going to connect the two going forward. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I think if anything, they'd be more concerned with that movie than Civil War, but what do I know? I don't work at Marvel. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, one of the things I kind of want to see tomorrow, but it'll depend on my schedule, is the DC, DC, the DC TV Super Panel, which is mm. sort of just like the other side of the same thing that you saw, it's yeah. just a little bigger because there are more DC television properties, because um, I love The Flash, not yeah. so much Arrow, I'm looking forward to Supergirl, so I feel like that'll be an interesting thing to maybe see in contrast with the Marvel one. Yeah, yeah. That's tomorrow night. But then, so the last, so I ended my day fairly early, which was delightful, um, with my last press room of the day was Bob's Burgers, which was Ooh. also, I know, it was also one of the most, my most anticipated of the whole con, because it's one of the only press rooms this year that I'm attending that's for a, as an established show. I went to a lot of new shows. Um, that is also one of my favorite shows. I watch it every single week, and it's fantastic. And they had... Almost the entire voice cast there, they had every member of the Belcher family, 
uh, Bob and Linda and all three kids and also Teddy. <laughs> like Teddy's I was kind of like thrilled to see Teddy, which was uh, but not expecting him at all. Um, we also got the executive producer and creators, which were great. Um, they were really funny. It was it was really interesting. Uh, obviously, Teddy is sounds very different than Teddy. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's not his real voice at all. And Linda, who is a man, uh, does not sound like that either. That's a specific um, character he started on YouTube based on his mother in the 80s. Uh, and he, that the character was sort of based around, Lin, of Linda was sort of written around this impression that he did on YouTube. And that's why he was hired. But all the kids, the three people who played the kids, Eugene Merman, Kristen Shaw, and Dan Mintz, Sam, those are their real voices, and the characters are really written to them. And so sitting at a table with the three of them is fascinating. Dan Mintz even looks exactly like <laughs> Tina, which is startling because he is obviously a man. Um, a grown man. A, a grown man, too. Yeah, he's not like a 13-year-old girl in any way. and doesn't look like a 13-year-old girl, um, but he looks just like Tina, and he speaks exactly like Tina, but then he told us that apparently he does not get recognized for his voice, and people have a hard time putting it together, and I just have a hard time believing that, because it is remarkable. But, uh, they were a hoot, uh, specifically the three kids were particularly great, though H. John Benjamin was also kind of fun to meet, just because he obviously, uh, that's his real voice as well, uh, and the Archer panel was right next door, and he had to run to go off to that, and if you notice, I don't know, if there are many people who watch both shows, but Bob and Archer are the exact same voice. He does not change anything, even <laughs> though the two characters could not be more different. Um, so that was kind of fun to talk to them, especially the kids. They were great. and uh, But it was a very ill-attended press room, which I was sad about because that show is really special. They're, they're doing some really great stuff consistently one of the funniest shows on TV, but also has a really big heart. Um, And when I asked the creators, I asked all of them um, what would be your pitch to people who don't watch Bob's Burgers yet, who should be watching Bob's Burgers. And uh, the creators talked specifically about the fact that the family loves each other. I think this had to do with The Simpsons, with what they were contrasting to, or maybe Family Guy a little bit. Um... But they said, you sort of, at the end of the day, ultimately the Belters are a really tightly knit family. And it is a very sweet show with a big heart, and I think that's a big difference. Uh, It's a really poignant show, and I think everybody should watch it. And I was sad that, but on the other hand, I was only one of only two people interviewing each of the sections of artists. So I got to sit at a table with mostly Bob's Burgers voice actors and only me and one other reporter, which was pretty cool. So that was an exciting way to end my day. Favorite press room so far, I think. Nice. Yeah, so it was pretty good. Anybody have anything else they went to today? Nope. No, my day was just spent talking to Deadpool cosplayers, which was... There weren't as many, apparently, this year as as last, but hoping that picks up a bit on uh, Saturday. So if you are a Deadpool cosplayer and happen to be listening to this, uh, make sure you find Marty. He has a Deadpool backpack that he is carrying around. Uh, so that's how you can identify him. And uh, he would love to talk to you. That's true. I would. And ask you all sorts of questions. Um, anybody have anything else they want to say? No? That's not. No. All right. Night, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.